0: Now, as you've kind of noticed, if you've been journeying with us here in in John 1, that this is a very lengthy chapter. And we now get to the final picture here, and it's the one of the Son of Man. And it's so very important that we understand the context of why Jesus now would use this title for himself. We're going to see that repeated multiple times throughout the gospel And we will see this in the New Testament some 89 times. He will use this particular title. It was his favorite title for himself because it identifies him as the one about whom Daniel the prophet spoke that there would be one who would be like the Son of Man. And so Jesus is now going to continue in verse 50 and we'll finish up here. Uh, Verse 50, and Jesus answered and said to him, so this is continuing uh, his discourse with Nathanael, and because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? Is that why you believe, Nathanael? Is it simply because I told you something that no one could know unless they had divine knowledge? Is, Is that it? And family, let me say something to you right now. If you can talk someone into having a relationship with Jesus, then they could also be talked out. It's never raw knowledge. It's not a a simple miracle that causes people to come to faith. It is truly an understanding that Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life, and no one can come to the Father but by him. And so Jesus is testing Nathanael's heart. Do you only believe because I said something miraculous to you? Because that's not why you should believe. And of course, that's not the case in Nathanael's life. And he says to him, you will see greater things than these. Oh, hallelujah and praise the Lord because your salvation experience is only the beginning of your seeing greater things than these. This is true in every believer's life. It's true in the history of the church. It is true today. It will be true tomorrow that our God reigns. Amen? Amen. So we will see greater things than these in our own lives. That's his business. That's what he does. And he said to him, Most assuredly I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open. Now, Pete and I did not talk before service. I I didn't share with him what I was going to share, and he did not share with me what he was going to share you will see heaven open, exactly as the children of Israel saw in part in the tent of the meeting and in the temple. They got a little glimpse of God. But to us today, heaven is open to us. Amen? Amen. You, you don't need to wait for the Day of Atonement. You do not need to wait for a high priest. In fact, we are priests before our God. We have an open relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your prayers are just as powerful as mine. If you want something answered in heaven, get your kids to pray for it. Because they pray without any pretense. They just go before the throne. I don't even know why I'm going to do this right now, but I know you're the only one that can answer this prayer. They pray with innocence. Oh, that we would pray. That's why Jesus took the child and placed it in the midst of the disciples and said, lest you become as one of these, you'll not see the kingdom of heaven. We need that childlike dependence upon the Lord right now today. That is the cure for what ails us. That's the cure for what goes on in your life, what goes on in mine, in the life of the church, in the life of our nation, in the life of our world, he is the only hope. It's him. You will see heaven open. And notice what he says next, and it's so important that you get this. The angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus is the door to heaven. He's the only name. All these masterpieces that we've seen thus far Uh, This is, to me, uh, the one that Jesus uh, uses of himself, and so it has great import to us. Of course, he is Logos. He is the Word. Of course, he is the light. He is the life. He's the Son of God. He's the Lamb of God. He's Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the King of Israel. But now he identifies with you. He identifies with me. He says to you. He says to me, I am both God and I am man. I am the son of man. I'm the promised one. The one that Isaiah prophesied of, the one that Daniel prophesied of, I am that king. I'm the only king. I, I'm the only answer. You see, the son of man, as he says these things, he, he's going to get in trouble frequently and often for using this title, because every Jewish person, especially those whom he would eventually confront from the Sanhedrin, of the Pharisees and even the Sadducees, they knew what Messiah would look like. They knew what Messiah would be. They knew exactly these things. And as Jesus equates these things, in, in Matthew chapter 8 there in verse 20, Jesus says and boxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In chapter thirteen, he who sows good seed is the Son of Man. He would go on and on and on and say it is the Son of Man. And so Isaiah 7, reminding us of that truth. Now remember that Isaiah the prophet wrote in, in 686 B.C., nearly 700 years before Jesus was born. And at that time he said, And therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel God with us. And Jesus is saying, I am that son. The very thing that Isaiah 9, 6 prophesied. The child who was born and the son who was given. You see, this is the one that they were looking for. So when John said, behold, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, he was giving it the messianic implication. He's saying, this one's the king. This is the promised one. And to that Jewish audience, they were getting it. I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 7, we'll pick up in verse 13, just two verses from Daniel 7. Because this picture of Emmanuel, you see the deity, you see the humanity, you see both sides, fully man, fully God. The hypostatic union, this joining of what seems to be an impossibility, fully man relating to us and fully God being able to pay the price for our sin. Daniel 7, verse 13. And I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the Ancient of Days. This is another picture of two pieces of the Godhead speaking and being in the, in the same place. And he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom. Amen? Yeah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That kingdom the kingdom that Jesus will go on to speak about. My kingdom is not of this world because his kingdom, as Isaiah 9 tells us, is an everlasting kingdom. It's not a temporary governmental agency. He is not just the king of a few people. He's the king of kings. And he is the Lord of lords that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. That is exactly why the Apostle Paul would write, one day every knee will bow. Not most knees, not many knees, not a lot of knees. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is in fact exactly who the Scriptures declared him to be, He is the Lord. There won't be another one. There won't be a competing one. He's the one true king. And notice what it says. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. Our God reigns, family. Nothing can stop. He is the lion. He is the lamb. No weapon fashioned against us shall prosper because of who our king is. Not because of who you are or who I am or who we are as a church. Our God reigns forever and ever. He is the alpha and he is the omega. Not will become the omega. He already is the other end. It's an incredible picture of who this son of man actually is Jesus uses this exact title in the Olivet Discourse his discourse on the very last days in Matthew chapter 26 and now the chief priest it says there in verse 59 the elders and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death and they found none and even though many false witnesses came forward they found none And at last, finally, two false witnesses come forward. This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and build it up in three days. And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. How did Jesus answer that question? Jesus said to him, It is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power coming on the clouds of heaven. So whenever anybody tells you that Jesus never declared himself to be God, he just did. Because to the Jewish mind, he was saying, I'm Messiah. I am exactly who you declare. There was no doubt about it. The Son of Man, Jesus, is the living link. He's the living link between heaven and earth. And I love this. When we think about Jesus, Jesus came to us, amen? He came down from heaven, So this reference in these last two verses to to really what is pictured in Genesis 28 is Jacob's ladder. Jesus is Jacob's ladder. He's the one upon whom comes from heaven to earth and it is at his command that the angels do their bidding. That's why he could say, do you not know that if I wanted a legion of angels I could call them forth? I could bring them right here, right now. They would come from heaven to earth. There in Genesis 28, we see this whole picture, and you can read it later, verses 10 to 15. But the picture there is this fugitive Jacob. He's alone. And God sends to him angels. He, it's the old stone pillow scene. He's laying there at Bethel, the house of God. And there going from heaven to earth are the angels. And the way that that happens is because Jesus came to this earth to give his life a ransom for many. He made that possible. He's the one that's opened that door to us. And in that sense, the beauty of all of this, as Jesus said, remember, we'll get there in John chapter 14, I am the way. What is the way? the way to heaven. And in order to open that up, Jesus came to us. He didn't wait for us to be religious and come to him. That's why he would declare himself the bread of God who comes down from heaven. We'll see that when we get to John 6. Jesus came to us. Jesus came to you. Jesus came to me. He came to me as a little child. He came to me as a teenager. He continues to come to me. Jeff, what are you doing by the power of the Holy Spirit? Jeff, where are you going? Jeff, I want to talk to you. Jesus comes to us. You see, in this crowd during that day and time, there there are many who would not immediately follow the Lord. There were skeptics in that day. There are still skeptics today. Maybe there are skeptics in this room right now. I'm here to tell you he is exactly who he declares himself to be. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. That's not a guess. That's a truth. That's not a suggestion. That is the only way. People don't like that because it's narrow. But that's exactly what Jesus said, narrow is the way that leads unto salvation and few there are who find it. It's not because it's impossible to find, it's narrow. God's asking us to give up our old self and allow him to fill us with his new life for us. The son of man in, verse, in chapter 12 we'll see must be lifted up. See people don't to this day still don't like the fact that when, when we say Jesus is the way. We're on the cruise and Connie got deathly ill and was in the ship's infirmary and on an IV and I'm talking with the doctor and I told him what I do and, and he, you know, kind of rolled his eyes. Oh, are you a born again? I said, absolutely. <gasps> You better believe I'm a born again. Because unless a man be born again, he'll not see the kingdom of heaven. So don't deny Jesus by saying if somebody that's that's not an insult. That's a fact. I am born again. Amen? Amen. You see, that's because Jesus is the ladder to heaven. Behold, there's an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. No guile nothing held back Jacob had to leave home Esau's chasing after him his first night away is at bethel and it was there the lord appeared to him in a dream the lord still still appearing to people the lord is still showing himself for who he is right now today He's still available to any who will seek him. He he is the reason. You know, as we studied through the book of Acts not too long ago, been a while since we were in chapter four, but this incredible power with which Peter speaks in Acts four, beginning in verse eight, and says then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that Pete was talking about. We have access to God the Father. That same spirit is in you. But he stands up before a Jewish audience, an entirely Jewish audience, more than likely, or very close to it, certainly a vast majority. And he says, rulers and the people and elders of Israel, if this day we are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has made well? Then let it be known to all of you and to all of the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, it is by him that this man stands. They're they're bringing this guy that's been raised. Do you want to know why he was raised? The name of Jesus. Jesus is still raising dead people today. People who are dead in prostitution. People who are dead in drugs, people who are dead in alcohol, people who are dead in materialism, people who are dead in their trespasses and sins, he hath made alive. Amen? Amen. He's still raising dead people. In verse 12 it says, Look, you rejected this cheap cornerstone, but let me tell you something Peter says to them there in Acts 4 and verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There isn't another way. He's the only way. He's the Son of Man, the one and only Son of Man. That is why in in Matthew 3, Father in Heaven says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That was the picture. And so Nathanael gets the the picture of these greater things that would happen. He says, you shall see. Not you might see. Not possibly you'll see. Can you imagine? Because this is the beginning of Jesus' Galilean ministry. He hasn't fed the 5,000. He hasn't raised the widow of Nain's son. He, He has not touched Lazarus yet. Can you imagine Nathaniel thinking on these words at the end of those nearly three years? Oh, boy, did I see greater things than these. How about in your life? Are you still looking for greater things than these? Are you looking for a greater work than was done when you got saved? Or have you stopped and are you stagnant in your faith? Brothers and sisters, I pray you're still looking for greater things than these. The angels are still attending to your need. God is still able, and we are still more than conquerors through him who loves us. Amen? We need to look for greater things than these. We need to not settle. We need to not be content. Could I ask you to be wholly discontent? a little bit tweaked about what's going on in your life in a very good way. Start looking for greater things than these. When was the last time you asked God to send angels to tend to your needs? When was the last time you cried out out to God for that person in your life whom you deeply love but does not know the King of kings and Lord of lords? When was the last time you were on your face before God crying? Crying. Because you will not rest until that person comes to faith. When was the last time you wept over our country? Fell down on your face before God and begged him to see greater things than these? Or are you content? And I don't mean to stir anyone's ire. But I do mean to stir you to prayer. Prayer. We must ask God to show us greater things than these. He's already done great things. Let's ask him for greater things. What do we have to lose? What's the worst that can happen? We have what we already have. Amen? But if we don't ask, we will not have. James was was very specific. You have not because you ask not or you ask amiss, so ask. Ask for greater things than these. That wayward child, beg God to bring them back. That neighborhood that needs a touch from the Lord, pray that everyone gets saved. Ask for greater things than these. Please. Time is short. Some final things, and we'll close with this. Some things we can learn from this little tiny bit of time with Nathaniel here at the end of John chapter 1. Jesus is searching every heart. Not just Christians' hearts. Every heart. He's at work right now. He's at work right now. Searching hearts. I'm going to have Pete and the band come back up. He's searching hearts right now in this room. Jesus is who he said he is. He's the only way of salvation. He's the only true Messiah. Jesus was protected by God. And in him, we are protected by God. So if you want to be protected by God, you need to be in him. He is attentive to the cries of his children. He hears everybody's prayers. He can't shut his ears. But he hears and attends to the prayers of his kids. if we'll listen to what he has to say and we'll do what he asks us to do, we're going to have the proof in our life that he is who he says he is. The reason that people don't know whether Jesus is real is because they don't ever attempt to go there. They say a simple prayer and they fire off a little bullet to heaven and they go right back to doing what they were doing the day before. We need to beg God for change in our lives. Jesus expressed his power by coming here. That humility was power. That was him saying, I- I'm going to leave heaven and I'm going to go be with the people that I love. That's the deepest sign of commitment that anyone could ever have. That's why greater love hath no man than this than he would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus put off heaven to come here to be with us. So he is the only ladder between heaven and earth. He's the only way you will ever see heaven. Don't anyone lie to you. Don't let them do it. There is no other name It's not about religion, it's about relationship with King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's not about what church you attend, it's that your heart has been attended to by the King of Kings, the Savior. Would you stand with me? Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Or in Philippians chapter 2, who, being in the form God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal, but made himself of no reputation. He came here. Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you're here today, right now, and you've never bowed the knee to Jesus, and you want to do that right now, because time is short, and I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now, if you... Do not know the Lord Jesus personally, and you want to right now in this place, simply raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Wherever you are, anywhere in the sanctuary, if you don't know Christ, you haven't bowed your knee, you're one day going to bow your knee. The question is, will you do it today? Will you do it before he comes? Anyone at all? We don't want to miss the opportunity. I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? I see that hand as well. Anyone else, just raise your hand. I'm going to pray with you right where you're at. Take the gift. He's offering you his grace and his mercy. Anyone at all, you want to join these that have already raised their hands, confessing him as Savior and Lord. Praise God. You that have raised your hands, would you pray after me, please? Father in heaven, I want to confess that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And Lord Jesus, I believe you died on Calvary's cross and that your blood has paid the price for my sin. I'm asking you to be my Savior and my Lord. I'm desiring to turn from my sin and I'm asking you to help me to do that. I'm inviting you into my heart that I might have eternal life Impart in me the Holy Spirit. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.